This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit wogcc.com. Happy Easter, everybody. So glad that you've come to worship at Word of Grace. In case it's your first time here, my name is Derek Armstrong. I'm the lead pastor here at Word of Grace, and we're going to start a brand new series this morning called Beyond. We're really going to be dealing with what is beyond certain areas of our lives that we may have certain limitations or thought processes towards that will help us to grow in what God wants us to. And then next week, we're going to further explore what's beyond this life by talking about the afterlife, talking about heaven and hell and what the Bible says about those things. So if you ever had any questions on those things, I would encourage you, really get plugged in and get connected in this series. It's going to help you grow and understand some things and apply some things. It's really going to help you grow in your walk with the Lord. But the title of my message this morning, if you are a note taker, is Beyond Religion. You can also follow along on notes if you have your uh, iPad or you have your smartphone. If you have that version Bible app, uh, it's a free app. You can go and search for an event. And if you look uh, for an event in your area, you should be able to find that and follow along on the notes as well. So it's like you'll know what I'm saying before I say it. So <laughs> if you're uh, taking notes though this morning, Beyond Religion is the title of my message. You know, I think that putting your trust for eternal security and hope for heaven in religion makes you feel secure because of our ability to put certain practices into place. These are things we can do that kind of become trophies of sorts and make us feel like we've accomplished something. And so therefore, I know that God's going to let me into heaven and I know my eternity is, is secure because of what I've done. So many people think that in our day Certain practices like Sunday morning church attendance or community service, doing kind things for your neighbors, acts of charity or benevolence, giving money away to people or giving money to a church or a nonprofit organization, going through uh, religious ordinances like baptism or communion, rituals, relics, things like that make people feel this sense of security because I've done all these things or because I've accumulated these things. I have this certain sense of I'm okay. I'm good for eternity. I'm, I'm good. You're good. We're good, right? If you've done this, you have all of your things checked off on your long laundry list of all the things we should do to be eternally secure. All these practices, for the most part, are good in and of themselves. But here's the thing. They should be a result of knowing God and not viewed as a pathway to Him. So many people view these things. If I can accumulate all this stuff, then that means that when I get to heaven, I'm going to say, God, look at all of my trophies. Look at all my accomplishments. Look at all the things that I've done. And He's only going to have one question. And it's not going to be, how much stuff did you accumulate? It's going to be, did you receive my free gift of salvation through my Son, Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. If you have your Bible this morning, you can go to the book of Romans. Romans 12 is the Apostle Paul writing a letter to the church in Rome, and he's trying to help them understand the same concept that we're talking about. Because these people were very much steeped in either the Jewish tradition or they were very much steeped in a Greek pagan tradition and both had ideologies of a works-based mentality that thought, because I have checked this off of the list of the things I'm supposed to do, I'm good. 
And so the Apostle Paul is addressing both Jew and Greek, and here's what he said. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Notice what the Apostle Paul did not say. He didn't say, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is how you get to God and make God like you. He said, on behalf of the mercy of God, your appropriate response to that level of mercy should be to present your body as a living sacrifice. Not a pathway to, not a way to become a recipient of the mercy of God, but instead a response to the mercy of God. This is something I do because I have been so moved by His great mercy and His love that my response should be giving my life away to Him, that I say my life is no longer my own, that I am bought with a price, that I am here to serve the One who gave Himself for me. That's my response. He said that's a reasonable response. It's a reasonable service is what it says. In other words, the Apostle Paul is saying it just makes sense because God is so good. There should be some type of response to His goodness. And that's what all of those things that we talked about are. That's what the, the, the giving and the charity and the love and the forgiveness and all of the serving and the church attendance, all of those things should be an overflow or a response, rather, to what he's done and not viewed as a pathway to relationship with God. Because good works are a response to the goodness of God. That's what they are. They're all good things and they all have their place. I'm not going to tell you to not go to church because obviously you've already made that decision today. And I'm glad you made that decision. You're responding to something and hopefully you're not fulfilling some religious obligation to check off something on some sort of list that you've concocted in your mind. Instead, your continual connection with God should produce multiple responses to His goodness because the more you know Him, the more you know how good He is. The more you discover how good He is, the more response should be happening in your life to that goodness. God showed us His goodness in the ultimate sacrifice, His Son, Jesus Christ. Would you agree with that? Amen. Amen. Jesus Christ, the ultimate sacrifice, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We know that the message of the gospel is that God is good and we aren't. And because we aren't, a good God had to come and make people who weren't good somehow connected with Him because we were disconnected because of sin. You know, the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ our Lord. You know that in the Bible, the word death doesn't mean what we think death is. A lot of times we look at death as no more. That's the end. Finito, dunzo, right? We think that's what death means. In the Bible, the word death is literally translated this way in every instance, separation from God. And that's all it means, a separation from God. It doesn't mean you stop breathing. It doesn't necessarily mean your eyes are closed, you're in a tomb. No, it means you're separated from God. In every instance, you'll see that over and over. So when the Bible talks about death, it's literally talking about, listen, I am separated from God because of sin. The result of or the wages of or the earnings of sin is separation from God, death. So we can't be 
with God because of that sin, because He's holy and He's pure and He's just. So because we could never do anything to earn our way back into a right standing with God because of our sin, someone had to come and take our place. And that was the man, Jesus Christ, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever would believe in Him wouldn't perish but would have everlasting what? Life. Life everlasting. So that means that because of Jesus, that death that I was experiencing because of my sin, now that has been absolved in the person of Jesus Christ who knew no sin. He came to this earth a spotless lamb. He was born of a virgin. He was fathered by the Holy Spirit. It was an immaculate conception. And then he goes on to live a sinless life. And he, do, he only does what God willed for him to do and what was pleasing to God to do. And then you know what he did? He took our sin upon himself. He who knew no sin became sin so that we could know the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. You see, it's not our righteousness. The Bible says that our righteousness, our version of right doing and right deeds and being right in the eyes of God, the Bible says that's filthy rags. It says our righteousness is filthy rags. But guess what? Jesus gave us his righteousness by being our substitute. And God saw fit that His Son would absolve His wrath because God is just and holy. Amen? And because God is just and holy, and because the wages of sin is death, and we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, for God to be a just judge and for God to be righteous and holy, then that sin had to be absolved. It had to be. Otherwise, He wouldn't be just and He wouldn't be holy. He couldn't just let it slide. Oh, I'll let you guys slide because I really like you. Don't worry about that whole sin thing. That's not how it works. There had to be a penalty. There had to be a punishment. Somebody had to take it. Just as if we were to look at a natural judge here, say someone broke the law and they did a, just a horrendous crime. If we saw them get away with it or the judge didn't give them what the law said they were supposed to have, we would go, that's an unjust judge. That judge needs to be removed. That guy's not just. He's not a very righteous judge who's judging rightly. We would say that's a corrupt judge. Maybe it was a mob thing where somebody was sliding money under the table to this guy to lessen the sentence of the one who was accused, the one who was guilty. And you would go, man, that guy's a crook. That guy's not just. Well, God is a just and perfect and holy judge. Amen? So because of that, when we violate his law, he has to give us what we were due. If he's just, if he's holy, because if he just lets us slide and there's no punishment, there's no penalty, then guess what? God's not holy and God's a liar. God goes back on his word and we know that's not true. So because of that, something had to be done and Jesus stepped in and took your place and took my place. And he was the substitute and said, you know what? I'll take the punishment for their sin upon myself so that they can know righteousness. So instead of them experiencing death, separation from God, they can experience life through faith in what I did was good enough to absolve the wrath of God on their behalf. You ever, around this time of year, watch one of the Easter movies, like The Passion of the Christ or something like that, or maybe you see an Easter play. I'm sure you probably have seen something like that in your lifetime, maybe at some point. All that stuff comes on TV, and you watch that stuff, and you see those soldiers beating Jesus, right? And you see him shoving that crown of thorns on his head. And you see them driving the nails in his hands. And it makes you angry, doesn't it? 
And you're like, man, that is so wrong. These guys are just abusing Jesus. These guys are just being so hateful. They're spitting on, they're mocking him. And it just rouses anger in you. And you go, this is so wrong. Well, all of those whiplashes, all of those scars, all of that torture, that was what we should have received because that was our sin that put him there. So when you get angry at those soldiers, it's actually you and I who nailed Jesus to the cross with our sin. That's how ugly our sin is. That's how vile our sin is. But Jesus took that willingly. Your sin, my sin. The sin of the world on the cross because of his great love and the response to such an act to where now we could be restored and be in right standing with the holy and perfect God. Our response should be wanting to serve Him, to live our lives as a testimony, to want to do good works, to want to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and do what Jesus has created us to do. Amen? You see, it's God's goodness, not ours. Our faith and our trust for an eternity with Him in heaven is only available because of Jesus. Not because of us, but rather in spite of us. Not because of us, but in spite of us. John 14 and 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me. Everything good that flows out of you and that flows out of me as a Christ follower should be the result of a real, authentic relationship with Jesus. Everything that flows out of your life and flows out of my life that's good should be a result of of that relationship. Something has changed at the very core. Something has changed at the very heart of who I am. That's why it's called the fruit of the Spirit. It's the fruit or the result of God being at the core and changing me from the inside out, not dealing from the outside in. That's why Galatians 5 and 22, the Bible says this, Galatians 5 and 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, he said, there is no law. You see, fruit is a result of the seed and the roots and the health of the tree. So it's the core. So many times in our lives, we just want to fix what we don't like. And we try church, we try God, we try religion, we try the 12-step program, the 10-step program, the 24-step program, the 52 weeks. We try it all because we're looking for something to fix the area of our life that we don't like. I had a very disturbing conversation yesterday with a childhood friend of mine whom I haven't spoken to in six years. We just lost touch, just never, didn't stay in touch after we both kind of moved away and started our own lives and things like that. And out of the blue, this guy reaches out to me on Facebook and hits me up in a private message. And this is what he said. He said, didn't say, hi, Derek, how are you doing? Long time, no see, none of that. This is exactly what he said. He said, why is your life so perfect and my life so messed up? And that's exactly what he messaged me yesterday. Kind of threw me for a loop. I was like, you want to talk to my wife for a minute? Uh, I mean, uh, she might tell you things aren't what they seem, buddy. But I said, what do you mean? He said, I'm so lonely. And I said, what do you mean you're lonely? I just saw how you became the head of the finance department at a Mercedes-Benz dealership in Dallas, Texas. That's 
pretty big deal, man. You're, you're in charge of that finance department. You, you're always with friends on Facebook. I'm seeing this stuff. What's going on? What, why do you feel lonely? And he said, because I'm struggling with this sin that I can't tell anyone about. He told me what the sin was. And it's a dark sin that he was struggling with. And he said, what do I, what do, I do? And so I began to write some messages and just try to counsel him, encourage him. And I really told him about dealing with the core and not just this one issue, but really getting to the core. And his response, which was the last thing that he said to me, was, Oh, Derek, you are so spiritual. When you figure out how to help me, let me know. Bye. And this has been bothering me ever since I got that message. And then I sent some more stuff back and he ceased responding to me. And I began to think, how many times are we just like that? We just want God to fix this issue. Just tell me how to do it. That's what we want. Just do this one thing for me, God. Come on, I want you to fix this area and then I'm just going to move on. Bail me out of this crisis and then I'll move on. Just like I want to lose the weight so I can go back to living the way I lived before and eating the way I ate before, right? I want to be out of debt so I can go buy all the stuff that I've bought and not change my habits. You see, we want to get rid of the pain. We want to get rid of the pressure. We want to get rid of that one thing, but we don't want to dig deep and deal with the core because we just want to deal with the fruit because the fruit's bad. We see it. It smells. It's yucky. We want to pick it off and we want good fruit. We want to, but we don't want to get to the root. We don't want to deal with the core. You see, for real change to happen in your life and in my life, it's not going to come through religion, but rather it's going to come through a relationship with Jesus Christ. A continual relationship, because beyond religion is a relationship that continually influences your heart. It's not just a one-time thing. It's not just a -a once-a-year service. It's not just a -a once-a-time prayer. It's not just a -a once-time baptism or a -a once-time communion. It's not just a -a once-time good deed or a -a once-time good act. That's not what changes you. What changes you is relationship, and then good things flow because of relationship. You see, God wants to be infused in every area of your life, even in the places that you don't want God to be infused in. We want him to be infused in the convenient places in our lives, the places where he fits, you know, when we carve out special time for him. But God wants influence in every area of your life to the point to where if there is a conflict between your values and God's values, that you submit to his will to where it no longer becomes about my will, but your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Where it becomes your will done in my life, That's what relationship does, because the more I get to know him, the more I know his truth, the more he has my heart, then it doesn't become this thing of me trying harder to do better. Instead, it becomes my desires are shifting because my life belongs to him. Because we all know the things we don't like that we do. We don't have to sit here and have a conversation about that. Because there's things every one of us doesn't like that we do. The thing is, instead of trying to deal with the thing that we don't like, why instead do we not say, God, what's the core issue? Is there an area of my life that's not submitted to your truth? Is there a reason that I act and react that way? God, help me to get down to the core of what's going on because I just can't manage all of these behaviors. So many women want to say, oh, if my husband would just do this. And so many husbands will say, oh, if my wife would just do this. And so many parents say, if my kids would just do this. And we think that it's that one behavior if we could get to change. 
that it would change everything. If we could say, oh, I hate the way that he talks to me or the way that she reacts or the way that she disrespects me or, or I hate the way that they do this. I hate the way my boss does this. I hate the way that my friends do this. Oh, if everyone would just do this. You see, the problem is not the behavior. The problem is that something at the core, something at the root needs to be surrendered to Jesus. That's what's happening here. Not trying to manage our behaviors and somehow modify them by our own will and our own strength because you're going to get exhausted and discouraged if you live your life like that. Instead, you've got to submit your heart to Jesus and say, I want you to come into my life and to be infused in every area of my life. Because Proverbs 4 and 23 says we need to protect and guard our heart with all diligence because out of our heart flows all of the issues of our lives everything comes out of our heart the words we speak the thoughts we think the deeds we do something in our heart that hasn't yet been fully submitted to him and how can i be submitted to him if i don't know him if i just know about him i went through a class and i learned a lot about god i went through sunday school and i learned a lot about god i memorized scriptures i was baptized i went through this and went through that and i've been confirmed and all these different things that we think are going to save us those things in and of themselves aren't wrong but they are if you put your hope for salvation in the fact that you've checked them off your list because that's not what saves you amen What saves you is faith in Jesus Christ, and what saves you is the same thing that will change you and transform you. That's faith in Jesus Christ. That's your relationship with Him that He begins to influence your heart. You see, God wants to be a part of every part of your life so His goodness can influence every area, every issue. Out of your heart flows the issues of life, so God cares about every issue. I want to share four statements that are going to help you move beyond religion to a real authentic relationship with God. Just four things. Number one, you can talk to God. Did you know that? You can talk to God. You may have been brought up in a tradition that would say you can't talk to God. That's only reserved for the spiritually elite. There is no such thing. And yes, you can talk to God. We all are sons and daughters of God if we have faith in Christ. Amen? And so therefore, we all can boldly come before the throne room of God to obtain mercy in our time of need. I don't have to talk to God on your behalf. I'll more than willingly and and, and joyfully pray for you and stand in the gap for you, but you don't need me to talk to God. You don't need some priest or pope to talk to God for you. You can talk to God. There is no bat phone to God that any of us possess that goes straight to heaven that you have to come to us and beg us to talk to God on your behalf. You can talk to God. If you know Jesus Christ and you've been made alive with Him, guess what? You're no longer dead. You're no longer cut off. You're alive. And you can boldly approach His throne to obtain mercy. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you're struggling with. If your faith and hope and your eternal security rests in the cross, then you can approach His throne with boldness knowing you're a son or a daughter. Amen? And the other thing I want you to know is that God speaks today. God hasn't stopped speaking. God still speaks to people today. He speaks through His Spirit where His Spirit will speak to our spirit to where there's this inner knowing, this inward witness that I know that God is speaking to me. Have you ever been perhaps driving in your car and the radio is off and all of a sudden this inspirational thing will just hit you or maybe this challenging thing will hit you or this convicting thing will hit you? 
the Spirit of God speaking to you if you'll recognize His Spirit leading you to do things or to stay away from things or to start or stop things or whatever the case may be, and you submit to that, that's that inward witness. And He's never going to violate His Word. He's always going to line up with His Word. And you can know that He speaks to you today through that inward witness. He also speaks through His Word. Have you ever been reading the Bible and then all of a sudden something jumps off the pages and it's almost like you're seeing it for the first time? Or you're like, I never saw this this way. Maybe you've read the Scripture. Maybe you've memorized the Scripture. But just the way it hits you, it hits you from a different angle because of the season of life you're in. God will speak to you through His Word. God will speak to you through people like myself who may be uh, sharing a message and all of a sudden you hear something that was inspired by the Lord that perhaps was just for you. Or maybe it's not even from a pastor or someone in a position where they're publicly speaking. Maybe it's just from a friend who feels led by God to share something with you. And they may not even know that it was God leading them to share that with you, but it was something that inspired you, that encouraged you, that challenged you, that convicted you, whatever the case may be. It led you to do something, to change, whatever that case may be. Could it be that God was using that person and speaking through that person by inspiring them to share the thing that they shared? God speaks to us today. It's just, are we listening? Amen? God will speak to you through so many different things as a testimony to His greatness and His goodness. It's just, are we listening? You can understand the Bible. That's another thing that is key to you moving beyond religion. You know, God was not thinking of some maniacal plan where He crafted this idea. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to inspire authors to write 66 books. I'm going to make it stand the test of time, thousands and thousands of years of persecution. It's going to be my holy book that I want to give my people to show them who I am, and I'm going to make it so confusing that they can never understand it. (laughs) That wasn't God's plan. That's silly to think, why would God give us this instruction and revelation of who He is and His plan for all of us to be confused? Some people have a major roadblock with Scripture because they just think, I can't understand the Bible. Yes, you can. You need to change your thinking. You need to renew your mind, and you need to begin to tell yourself, yes, I can't understand the Scripture. Now, if you've never read the Bible before, and you start off in First Chronicles, yeah, that might be a little confusing. Or people that when they start off reading the Bible, I'm going to start off reading the book of Revelation. That's some freaky stuff, okay? I've been reading the Bible and preaching the Bible for about 17, 18 years, and there's a lot of stuff in there I still don't understand. Some weird stuff in there. So I would recommend not starting in either of those places. If you're just starting out reading Scripture and you're challenged with understanding it, let me give you a heads up on a great place to start. Start with the story of Jesus in the Gospels. The Gospels are the first four books of the New Testament. Your Bible's divided up into two sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Start in the New Testament with Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Begin to pick apart the words of Jesus and look at what he said and see his desire for us and see his value, see his character, see the heart of God being displayed for you and for me. Perhaps you could start off reading the book of James. It's a very practical book that talks about taming our tongue, that talks about us living a life that will bring God glory. Or perhaps you could start off in an extremely practical book of wisdom, the book of Proverbs, where you can read little small thoughts. It's almost like God figured Twitter out before Twitter ever even came around, and he called it Proverbs. I think that every proverb is at least 143 characters or less, <laughs> with no shortchanging and no hashtags. So check out Proverbs. Perhaps that'd be a great place for you to start. My point is, 
Start somewhere. Start somewhere that makes sense for where you're at, okay? Because maybe you're not to the place where we could have a theological discussion about all of the elements of the Old Testament temple in the book of Deuteronomy, and that's okay. That doesn't mean you're a bad Christian. It doesn't mean that you should give up because it's too hard to understand. No, start where you're at and grow from there, okay? I want to encourage you. You can understand the Bible. And then lastly, for you to move beyond religion to relationship, you've got to get connected. You've got to stop making excuses, and you need to get connected with a family of believers. Here at Word of Grace, we say we are a church family, and we don't say that so we can all feel warm and fuzzy when pastor says that. Oh, we're a church family. <laughs> That's not why we say that. We say that because we recognize that together we can do more for the kingdom of God than any of us could ever do alone. And we recognize that we need each other. We recognize that not everybody's going to have a bright, sunshiny day every day. We realize that not everything's going to go our way all the time. We realize that there are people that we could invest in, that we could lift them up when they're down, people we could encourage, people we could sharpen, people who aren't maybe where we're at in life that we could give some wisdom and knowledge from our experience to, some things we've learned that God has taught us that we could help other people with to help them hopefully not repeat some of the mistakes we made. We need to get connected. Some people say, oh, we can just do church on our own. We can just have church, just me and God in a Bible. Yeah, you can at a certain level, but you're missing out on being a part of something that can have an eternal impact on a much grander scale if you will get connected and invest and you'll allow yourself to be submitted to one another and be held accountable to grow be held accountable to serve be held accountable to do things for god not on your own we're not throwing you out there by yourself we're going to do it together amen so you got to get connected you can talk to god god speaks today you can understand the Bible, and you need to get connected because Jesus is the way to everlasting life. He's the way. John 10 and 10, the Bible says that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Listen, this isn't just about you finding your security in the fact that Jesus is in your heart that you put your faith and hope and trust in His sacrifice and in His goodness and that you have heaven as your home. No, He wants you to live abundantly now. Amen? Amen. Because we need peace now. We need joy now. We need contentment now. We need all of those things that He blesses us with and gives us freely now. We need freedom from sin now. And He gives all of those things. And He doesn't want you to live your life here on this earth miserable He wants your life to be a testimony of how good He is. And so He can take someone like Quinn, who was living for himself, as you saw in the video, doing his own thing, and he was down at a low point, and then all of a sudden something changed, and he met Jesus. There's a lot more to that story. I've sat down with Quinn many times, and he shared with me what God's done in his life. And let me tell you, the young man is on fire for God, but he was in a real dark place before Jesus was in his life. But he realized something. He realized, I need someone to do this for me because I can't do it on my own. Jesus wants you to know him now. He's the way to everlasting life, to a relationship with God that influences your heart. And it isn't religion. It's not traditions that bring about change. It is knowing that this real authentic relationship with him is touching the deepest part of us. And that truly brings about life and life in abundance. It's time to transition from knowing about Jesus, from knowing the stories, 
from knowing all this stuff. Pastor, I know all of this stuff. Well, it's time to transition from knowing to actually knowing Him. Because it's one thing to know about Him, but it's a whole other thing to know Him. Amen? And when you know Him, that influences your life beyond religion. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.